This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode number 60 of Bleeding Blue. And today we will recap some storylines from the second week of training camp and get pumped for the fact that a preseason game will be played this Thursday. So, without further ado, let's bleed blue. All right, welcome back. David, how are we doing today? I'm good, Justin. How are you? I'm great. Um, I'm pretty tired. Except, no, that's a lie. I was tired this morning when I just got back from a very long weekend with a Bleeding Blue contributor and co-host during the Yankee episodes, Renato Rodriguez. We went to three Yankee games in two days. We went to the doubleheader on Saturday and, you know, of course, Yankees, Red Sox, the games are never no. short, except on, of course, they were, of course, it was a short game on Friday when it was just 4-2, and it was like a pitcher's duel past the first inning, but neither here nor there. Really long weekend, but really good weekend. Lots of Yankees wins, and we like that a lot. They, they're, they're playing, they're playing pretty, pretty solid baseball, and, and it, it always helps when they're kicking the snot out of the Red Sox. That's a good sign. That's a good time for everybody. A little, a little too, too many injuries for yeah. me. It, it gets me, gets gets me a little anxious. But well, admittedly, I've got the game on in the background here, and Brett Gardner hit a home run. You know, David, that pisses me off so much when you do this crap. That when you give us live updates of things, because you want to know what Renato does the same thing. Renato does the same thing, and guess what? We have the soundboard back. So you know what I want to say to you, David? Oh my God, I could say something, up to him, but I'm not gonna do it. I'm not going to do it. I freaking hate when you give us live updates because people are going to be listening to this at freaking Monday morning, Tuesday morning, whenever. So and, oh, Brett Gardner just hit a home run. Well, I, if I they hate think it. that Brett Gardner hit a home run on their drive into work at 830 in the morning, that's their problem, not mine. I guess that's true. I guess that's huh. true. All right. So uh, let's let's just get right to it, David. We're going to get some housekeeping things out of the way like we usually do. Twitters, follow David on Twitter at David double underscore Powis. Follow me on Twitter at jpenix 74 Follow the podcast on Twitter at bleeding double underscore blue. We are one rating away from 65 star ratings on the Apple podcast app. I said I would have liked to hit 60 by the first preseason game. And guess what? First preseason game is on Thursday. So we have a couple days to reach it. I would like to do it, David. Um, I hope that we can do it because recording these podcasts and pretty much recording almost every single day, releasing podcasts every single day has been a lot of fun. Uh, we really hope that you're enjoying the podcast. We really hope that you're enjoying the previewing the Giants uh, episodes and mini series that we have going on. It's been a lot of fun. So 
David, do you want to you want to talk about previewing the Giants or anything uh, about that? Because that's pretty much all that I have in terms of podcast house. Actually, no, that's a total lie. I have some other podcast announcements and I'm reviewing the notes. But do you want to say anything about previewing the Giants? Well, I mean, yeah, I've said the same thing a couple of times about previewing the Giants. I'm, I think both of us are having a very good time doing it. Um, you know, it's I'm not going to lie. It's a lot of work. You know, there's a lot of a lot of different uh, information for every player that we want to get through and we're trying to keep them relatively short, but I, like I said, I think, I think they're good for an average fan, a more detailed fan, maybe even a beginning fan. I I think it's a good way to get introduced to every player and what every player means to this team going forward. So I think if um, you're somebody who wants to really, you know, really get into this season, I think previewing the giants is a great, uh, a great place to start. So today, when you're listening to this on Tuesday, I will actually be going to the Giants training camp practice. Unfortunately, it is not in the afternoon. A lot of the times, uh, sometimes what the Giants do is that they'll have their practices during the week. They'll have it in the morning. So I will be live on Periscope before the practice. So when the Giants are warming up and before they go into like the 7-on-7 or 11-on-11 action, I'll be live on Periscope on Twitter. So say hi if you're at work. Say hi. Um, And I will also be live on Periscope after the practice, and I will be live from my car. I'll hang out in the parking lot. I'll sit in my AC in my car. I'll have my microphone with me, and I'll talk about the practice, and I'll give my thoughts and observations. So I was too lazy to go to the regular season ticket holder practice today, David, because like I said, I was just so tired from Yankees-Red Sox three games in two days. So I didn't want to wake up this morning, but I will wake up tomorrow morning. I will make the drive to East Rutherford, New Jersey, and I will be tweeting from both my account at jpinning 74 and the Bleeding Blue account. So fun day tomorrow and Thursday. Football is back. So we already know. (laughs) So excited. We already I mean, we already know how, you know, everybody's pumped for football. But one thing that I really just want to say and I want to give this announcement, Bleeding Blue is going to be starting a pregame show. And the whole plan for this pregame show is it will be on, it's going to be done in a few different multiple ways. And this is all, we're going to experiment with everything during the preseason. The goal is to have something go up on podcast apps. So the Apple podcast app, Spotify, and then name your name, your favorite podcast app the night before the game or the morning of every single giants football game. So it'll be David and I, or if David's not available, we'll get we'll get another Bleeding Blue contributor to hop on because David has a very busy life and he has a very important people and things to do on Friday <laughs> nights, Saturday nights. So I'm not I'm a I'm a very boring person. So I may you know, I, I will always be recording the, those nights and I'll find some other schmuck to record with me. That was really rude. <laughs> yeah, really. Wait, that That's one way to alienate our entire potential co-host uh, pool. Yeah, I know, right? Nice job. Um, so, so that will be available the day of football games, and then what? W- what I will also be doing is for home games. David and I will be recording from MetLife Stadium, and we will be recording re- pregame shows on Periscope. And then after games, I will be on Periscope by myself after home games. And then for away games, it will just be me solo for Periscope streams. So. Three different, <laughs> a lot of different ways that we will, will be doing pregame and postgame stuff. Sometimes it'll be by myself. Sometimes it'll be David and I. But we're you're going to be hearing from us a lot on Sundays, Saturday nights, and Sundays. Yeah, and I and I think the uh, the idea is for the preseason, we're kind of treating it as a dry run for all of these things. So obviously Thursday, we're going to give um, 
hopefully I can get to the the seven o'clock games, Justin, are just awful for trying to get there if you work. So you wonder why well, yeah, during the week, during the week, uh, you know, I, I work not close, so it's going to take me a little bit of time, but I am definitely going. So hopefully I can get there early enough where you and I can get uh, get a quick live stream. in. Um, so obviously we're going to give that a shot if I can. And then um, additionally, I think maybe in the, in the next couple of weeks we can talk about this. We can we can talk about getting our uh, our other pregame and postgame show methods off the ground we can see what we can work with those so lots of that lots of opportunities to listen to us um be right about things. absolutely and more often than not be wrong about things yeah more often than not be wrong however i have been extremely impressed with us on how solid our takes have been with certain things especially when you talk about these previewing the giants episodes and i guess we'll get to it maybe throughout this episode so let's just get right to it we didn't fool around that much though no we didn't we didn't fool around that much this episode we kind of got right to kind of got right down to business. This is the biggest storyline, in my opinion. Sterling Shepard started catching footballs last week and remembered, fractured his thumb two weeks ago. He's been catching footballs, and he has been and he has been since last week. Even though he has a yellow non-contact jersey on, he still has been catching footballs with both of his hands. Now, remember, there was a point where he was just catching footballs with one hand, but then one day later, it practically felt like it's like, okay, he's in the non-contact jersey. He's running 11 on 11 drills. Okay. But now Eli Manning is freaking firing him footballs and he's, and he's catching with both hands and lo and behold today, according to Tom rock, he caught a ball and came away flexing his left hand. And the one with the fractured thumb, he caught his next two passes with one hand and he was still flexing his left hand after he caught those two balls with his opposite hand. So, David, I went on Twitter last week and I said, what are the Giants doing? We haven't even played one preseason game yet. Sterling Shepard has been in the offense for an entire season. Golden Tate is probably going to be suspended. Probably by the time that you're listening to this, there's a chance that his appeal has already gone through and that he's already suspended for four games or at least, best case scenario, the first two games of the season. There is no, I'm going to say there's no way in hell that he's getting all four games taken away. So Sterling Shepard, who is our number one wide receiver right now, is out there catching footballs a week after, two weeks after he fractured his thumb. So I went on Twitter. I'm like, this, this just doesn't make any sense. This just makes zero sense. And then I was, uh, uh, then I got, then I got criticized. Oh, well, the, the trainers know what they're doing. They know how to do their job. Well, ugh, I, well, very frustrating. I would like to point out, and this, it's possible that um, maybe I didn't get the full story, admittedly. As far as like today goes, I had, I was under the impression he had shed the non-contact jersey. He was not wearing it anymore. After he started flexing his hand again, he was given the non-contact jersey back today. That's what I heard. I, I get your 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 overarching point is more about why is he even sticking his neck in there right now? Let the thing heal. Maybe we see you in the first preseason game for a, for a series, and that's the first time we see you since you, since no. you broke it. But I, I get <laughs> no. it. I, I get your ultimate point. I would like to point out, though, I'm not thrilled with this idea that Eli Manning is at fault for firing him balls when he's not wearing a non-contact jersey. And a non-contact jersey is just that. It's a non-contact jersey, not a, I'm a dummy running around in the offense. But David, here's, here's the thing. In NFL practice today, even when they're wearing all pads, 
they're not re- the only people that are really performing live contact are the offensive line and the defensive line. And then sometimes the running backs because they're because they'll be taking hits at the line of scrimmage sometimes. That's it. Those wide receivers that catch balls in the middle of the field, they're not enacting and practicing live contact like they are in an actual game. They're not. So that non-contact jersey, it doesn't make a difference to me. What does make a difference to me is if Sterling Shepard is catching footballs with both hands during live practice and live action during training camp. That's what makes the main difference. And I'm not blaming Eli Manning. I, I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that take where somebody was blaming Eli Manning for, for throwing a football at Sterling Shepard. No, he shouldn't be out there because that's common sense. Again, I get it. I think people are looking will look for a fault anywhere they can find it, right? So you're, you're making a point that Sterling Shepard's catching balls with both hands. I have seen people make making the point that Eli Manning shouldn't be should not be throwing the ball to Shepard if if we know that this is his injury. The point is he was out there to practice. If you're out there to practice, you need to be able to practice. So and this is where I, I partially am agreeing with you and agreeing with anybody else on Twitter who's who's complaining that he's in practice in the first place. If a ball has the tendency and has the ability to potentially break the guy's thumb again. He shouldn't be practicing, but if he's out there, you use him. He's in practice. I don't. I don't see anything wrong with that. And and if I'm and if I'm Sterling Shepard and I'm in practice, I'm catching the ball with both hands. I'm not going to run around catching the ball with one hand. No, but I and I agree, and I agree with you because you can't fault the player. You can't fault Eli, but you can fault the training staff and the coaching staff. Not not even not even the training staff. I don't care if he is leaps and bounds beyond his overall progression in terms of how he feels. A fractured thumb is a fractured thumb with a big consolation that we had for Sterling Shepard in terms of the timing of when he got hurt is exactly that. It was the timing of it. It was the first week of camp. He had all the time in the world to heal up. And even if he had to miss week one, worst case scenario, he could do it. Now, we saw him out there in the non-contact jersey and we're like, great, he's pro- he's progressing very quickly. So if he goes out there, David, and he catches a football and he worsens that thumb, that is an incredibly, incredibly bad look. And then you have, on top of that, Golden Tate getting a four-game suspension and then Cody Latimer turns into your number one wide receiver and we have no slot receiver on this team. You, you want to talk about a doomsday scenario, doomsday where it is self-induced, that would be terrible, 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 terrible. But you can go down this rabbit hole with anybody who gets hurt in camp, right? Tell me, tell me not. No, but you can, don't you play can, him. Don't play him. You can, <laughs> but you can go down this with anybody. You, you, you can say for any player, why is he playing? He, he shouldn't be playing. Last year he had a, you know, last year the guy had a bad, had a bad, uh, had a bad shoulder. Why is he, why is he playing in camp? He doesn't need camp. Why is he playing in camp? You can make this argument for anybody. So I get the frustration and I understand your doomsday scenario and it's 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 coming dangerously close to coming true. But if if a training staff clears him, clears him to shed the non-contact, then by all accounts the guy's ready to go. The same way that Eli Manning's ready to go, the same way that uh Jabril Peppers is ready to go, the same way that Lorenzo Carter is ready to go, he they're ready to go. So they go. So, so you have Sterling Shepard sit. Why not have BJ Hill sit? Why not have Kevin Zeitler sit? Why not have anybody 
it's a it's an endless it's an endless point. I just think it comes down to common sense, David, where you know, you you Google and talking giants did this, you know, you you Google fractured thumb, the estimated recovery of of time of you know for the full injury is six weeks. Now I understand these are world class athletes. I understand these are world class athletes that are asked to do things that they don't want to do all the time. But this is a situation where the giants can fully control it. And especially I'm I'm gonna keep on repeating this point till the cows come home, and you're probably tired of hearing it by now. The fact that we are in this situation with our wide receivers and we're not thin at wide receiver, but I'll tell you what, for losing Golden Tate for four games, you don't have another guy that can run the slot and do the things that Golden Tate and Sterling Shepard can do. One of the great things of having both of those guys is that they're both kind of interchangeable, even though they are two very different wide receivers. But you can ask them to kind of do the same things and feel pretty good about what you're putting out on the field. But if you lose both of them, when one of them you couldn't control because, you know, PD policy is what it is. And at the end of the day, David, it comes down to the common sense. And this is something that the Giants can control to sit him down, to wait for this to fully heal and not try to gamble. He's been in the offense for a year. There's no reason why he should be out there. Do you have any other final thoughts? And then we're going to move on. If it were that simple to make those decisions, you and I would be able to make them. But it's not that simple. I guarantee you there are reasons why they feel like they need Sterling Shepard to be out there practicing. And I can't fault them for it. Now, let me get this straight, Justin. If this were, let me, let me I want to set the record. If this were week two and you got a game in six days, in five days, then totally. The guy should not be practicing. He should only be on the field when it's a game. But at this stage of the game, early August, for a guy who broke the thumb, clearly was progressing. Like you, like you said, he was clearly was progressing at a relatively fast rate. I and, and the doctors felt comfortable clearing him. If if you're cleared, you go. That's why that's why you become cleared. The, the doctors won't clear you unless you are healthy and stable enough for football activities. And training camp is about the lowest the the lowest level of vigor. If that's the best way I can come up with. In terms of football activities, it doesn't get any lighter than training camp. So, oh, I, I think it's the opposite. What I think in terms of vigor and in terms of what you're asked to do during practice, I think training camp is the toughest time of year. Really? Yes. How? What you're asked to do in terms of the level of work that you're asked to put in, the intensity of the practices. Training camp is the most important time of the year. It's where your football team is formed. It's not. It's not lackadaisical. I'm not talking lackadaisical from a from a team standpoint. I'm talking lackadaisical in the sense that you're not getting hit. You don't need to sell out for for a ball. If it's not there, it's not there. You know, you don't, you don't have to worry about getting hit going across the middle. You don't have to worry about protecting yourself. You don't have to worry about those kinds of things. All right, so you're just you're just talking about contact. All you got to worry about is making as a crisp route, beating your man and catching the football. All right, so you're saying that the that the and that that that's the same way it works during a game. And you're saying that the so the real contact, you know, the real um, risk of injury, you're saying is starting when you're playing games and you're actually having contact with another human being. Yeah, right. and you know what? I'm, and I'm gonna I'll take a shot further back than you will. You're 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 taking you're taking issue with management. Is it possible the issue is more with the training staff? You said you weren't going to blame them. I will. If if a guy, we don't know exactly what happened. Well, I'm not going to say he broke it again. I'm not. If he set his thumb back, well, I don't know because we don't know what it is. 
from trying to catch a football, that's a thumb that's not fully healed. You should not break your thumb trying to catch a football. And I saw this, I believe it was Tom Rock, I, I believe it was Tom Rock, but I'm not sure, so I don't want to quote him. Said that the that the 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 ball that he re-injured it went right through his hands. Which means basically if you can imagine you put your hands out as if you're about to catch a football, the ball goes through your hands, it bends your thumb back. If that's what broke it, he was not ready. But that's not something that management can can worry about. If if the training staff clears him, he's cleared. Right. Right. So it's it's it, it really is tomato tomato. At least for me, it's common it's, it's just common sense. Sit the guy down. You know, and and that that pissed me off on Twitter because it's like, oh, yeah, well, they know what they're doing. Everybody knows what they're doing until they fuck up. Right. Right. Everybody knows what they're doing until they fuck up, David. I mean, that's how we operate. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) We know what we're doing until we fuck up. Daniel Jones threw his first interception last week. It was picked off by Corey Ballantyne, who actually did get first team reps yesterday, opposite of DeAndre Baker. And listen to this. Janoris Jenkins was manning the slot. Ooh. I got to tell you, Corey Ballantyne has been playing a hell of a camp, especially in the second week. He is really, really turning heads. He's playing very, very well. And he's starting to make you think, and, and it, the team seems to be reacting to that. And Justin, you're always saying, you've said the last couple of episodes, you can easily tell when a player starts gaining favor among the coaching staff. And it's been a steady progression in in second team reps to first team reps for Ballantyne. And I think that's a it's it's very, very interesting. I don't think the Janoris Jenkins in the slot with, you know, the two rookies on the outside. Honestly, I don't think that's actually going to come to fruition. But it certainly shows you that Betcher and Shermer have all the confidence in the world in him. But it's very, very interesting. Now, David, this is going to be a phrase we barely say with the Giants. Um, the Giants have a great problem on their hands. Who the hell is going to play where in the secondary? And don't forget about Sam Beal. And shout out to uh, Gray Meese on Twitter who asked me if Beal has been somewhat of a disappointment because other guys are getting reps over him. I'm not going to sit here and act like I can give a synopsis of every Giants player in camp so far. However, a huge positive that that we have seen in this coaching staff so far um, is that they just feel comfortable giving these guys, these young guys, high leverage reps in practice and throwing them into the fire at training camp. Uh, granted, all these guys are young guys, but you know, like you said, David, the fact that Ballantine is getting this much attention in an already a packed full secondary. I mean, that proves right there that he is jumping off the page in Betcher and Shermer's book. And I, I also, you have to understand, well, Justin, this secondary is pretty much all filled with rookies besides the safeties and besides Jenkins. But Ballantine's a six-round pick, and there was a question on if he was even going to even make the freaking roster. And, and the point is, someone's got to stand out. Yeah. And clearly, he seems to be doing that more than... I haven't heard much about Baker. Well, you want to know why, David? Why? You want to know why, David? Because you said it during Janoris Jenkins' episode. When you're not hearing from a guy. True. Baker had a really good play uh, during today's practice, during Monday's practice, where he was behind slightly on a deep ball down the sideline, but then he put his hands up and he deflected it, and it was a beautiful play. It was a beautiful pass breakup deep down the 
left sideline and hit and actually the coaches actually gave him uh, gave him flack for not coming down with the interception. So that's <laughs> how you know that's how you know that you're having a pretty damn good day when coaches are giving you flack for not coming down for an interception and when you actually have a pass breakup instead of allowing a catch. So well, yeah, but I'm sure, but I'm sure according to Matt Lombardo, it was an under it was an underthrow by Eli Manning. Oh, Terrible throw, God. awful oh, throw by Eli Manning. God. I cannot. Oof. 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 Wait, 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 I, wait. I, yep. Oh my God. I could say something up to him, but I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. But David, like, this is a problem that the giant, like, it's a good problem. When it, how, how, when have we ever said that the giants have a good problem? Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I don't think we have. It, it's, it's very rare. You know, this is, this is a great problem to have. Oh gosh, is Julie is Julian Love gonna play safety? Oh, is is Ballantyne is Ballantyne gonna play corner? Where can we fit him in? Oh, you know Julian Love. He you know he may look good at the slot, but Grant Haley is a really good slot nickel corner. Oh my God, where are we? Oh my God, Sam Beal, Sam Beal. Where are we gonna play him? Where are we gonna play him? DeAndre Baker's a stud, so he really we have to give him that job. Where is Sam Beal gonna fit? Great, a great problem. The Level of versatility and the level of mix and match that the Giants have given themselves uh, through their through draft and through the offseason and through free agency has put them in such a positive situation, especially especially on the defense. In my eyes, they've got so much ability to put guys, plug and put guys where they want, where they can use their strengths on specific plays, specific downs. It's it is a fantastic problem to have and. You know, I'm totally okay with, uh, you know, you got a long, you, you've got your defense out there for a long drive and you need to spell somebody. And I, I much prefer spelling, um, DeAndre Baker for Corey Ballantine as opposed to spelling Dominic Rogers Cromartie for BW Webb. No, that's a great point. And I, I actually haven't thought about that because if you think about, you have to bring up the doomsday scenarios of if the offense doesn't get off to, to the quick start, right? where the offense isn't doing their part, but if the defense is going to be out on the field a lot, you want them to do as much as they possibly can to keep you in games. And this is the way to do it. And we've talked about how the analytics point to saying secondary, 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 build your roster with secondary. And Dave Gettleman even did it in Carolina. He pressed the spam button uh, in, during all his drafts with cornerbacks. Granted, I think these cornerbacks and these secondary pieces are a lot more talented than some, maybe some of the names that he had in Carolina. You know, maybe not counting Josh uh, Josh Norman, but Captain Munnerlin was a part of those teams too. He was a solid guy. He was a solid piece. Is he even still in the NFL? I feel like he's played in the NFL forever. Captain Munnerlin? Yeah, Captain Munnerlin. I believe he is. Because I just I love, he is. I love his name. Great name. Yeah, it's great. Great name. Great name. So there you go. Corey Ballantine. Uh, Corey Ballantine. God damn it. Names are so tough. Corey Ballantine. Keep an eye. I don't know if it's Ballantine or Ballantine. I think it's Ballantine. Ballantine? It just sounds, it, it flows better. Okay, we're going to stick with it. We'll stick with it. So. We'll see how he does Thursday, and we'll see where he is. Um, I how much do you think they're going to play him? Because if he's being thrown with the first team, if he's being you know hell, if he's even being thrown with the second and third team just last week, how much do you think that the Giants are going to want to put him out there just to see what he can do? I think we'll see him a a, a good amount. We're not going to see Janor, Janoris Jenkins much. I think they're going to. I think they're going to really test Baker. I think they're going to throw him out there, and they're going to have him play, play, play one, um, for a large portion of the game, because you know, like we've said, 
What what is preseason about? You know what you've got in Janoris Jenkins. You don't need to see him shadowing Robbie Anderson the whole the whole day. So you're gonna I think I think he's I think Janoris Jenkins is gonna play maybe two drives, maybe one. I think it's gonna be Baker, Ballantyne, and I think you're gonna see a lot of Julian Love in different places. I can agree with that. I can get behind that. I, I have a feeling that because they've used Ballantyne in so many different, you know, first team, second team, you know, he's been on all those, t- <laughs> he's been on the third team even just last week. So they may try to push him to see what they can really get out of him. So there we go. That's the secondary talk. But I, w- I want to reiterate, I think you're going to see Julian Love line up in all the different hope. places. That's the hope. Here's our weekly QB report. Daniel Jones, despite throwing his first interception, still has not had a practice where you can point to and say that, hey, that was a bad practice that Daniel Jones had. So, we, David, we've talked over and over again about, you know, what we want to see out of Daniel Jones during live action, during live games. We've talked about, I've talked about, you know, how what I've wanted to see with him during training camp practices, you know, push the ball down the field. David, you've talked about during games that you just want to see him sustain drives. So I feel like we don't need to talk about that. And also that's what the pregame show is for. That's what the Periscope streams are for. But something I feel like that's important to point out and that we did not point out last week because now it's actually becoming a pattern. He has a very, very good connection with Alonzo Russell. Like it's been... I would say two wide receivers that stick out in my mind in terms of connecting with their quarterbacks, Cody Latimer and Eli Manning, and then Alonzo Russell and Daniel Jones. And I'll tell you what, that may just be Alonzo Russell's ticket to this, you know, to a roster spot on this football team in 2019. Uh, I don't know if that's good logic because sometimes, you know, 53 guys on a roster is sometimes, you know, it's, it's tough to fit everybody. You know, and just because you have a good connection with the quarterback, it could be just tough to make it off of that. But after two weeks, not a bad thing. No, I agree with you. And I, I, I initially thought the same thing. Could that be could that be Russell's ticket to the um ticket to the fifty-three? Possibly. I don't know how much merit you give a receiver who, you know, remember Daniel Jones going into the going into the season is is the number two. So how much credence do you give a receiver who has a really good connection with your backup quarterback? I don't think that means a hell of a lot. Um, obviously, if things go poorly and Daniel Jones gets thrusted up to the, you know, to the start, starting quarterback relatively early in the season, you'd like to have a guy who he's very comfortable with. But that's a lot of ifs to give somebody a roster spot. Right. Also, Daniel Jones, at some point, according to Pat Shermer, will get first team reps during training camp practices. Now, there is no need to make anything huge out of this, and I don't think, and I think actually Twitter has uh, been pretty good with not making this a huge deal because we saw this last year. Eli is going to get a day off of practice, which is fine. However, the fact that they feel this comfortable to make this move and to give Jones first-team reps, it ensures me even more that Eli is the starter of this team and that he is having a solid camp because I don't think Pat Shermer would come out and say, okay, you know, we're going to give Daniel Jones first team reps in practice. I don't think they would come out and they would say that and they would publicly say that and they would actually do it unless that is the case where 
Eli is firmly solely the starter of this team because David there, whether we liked it or not, there were questions before camp, but Eli has had an amazing camp and he's still continuing to have an amazing camp. And he's having a better camp than Daniel Jones. So David, would you agree with that? Cause I'm just trying to think of like a, a spin, a spin rather than saying, well, they did the same thing with Kyle Luletta last year. No, I agree. I, I agree. I think, I think you hit the nail right in the head. I think Shermer and the rest of the coaching staff being so confident in Eli and and confident in what he's been showing in camp, there's no there's no need to worry about giving somebody else some first team reps. It's 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 overall a positive thing for the whole team. I would be more worried if if you know Eli was being pushed every day in camp, if he was still forced to have that first man in first uh, last man out mentality. I, I think this is a better this is a this is best case scenario. I think for the Giants coaching staff to have a confident Eli playing at a high level in camp and then be able to feed Daniel Jones some first team reps here and there, not feel like you need to get him first team reps in order to accurately make a decision on the starting quarterback. I think, I think you hit the nail right on the head. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's all that I was trying. I was just trying to think of like, Oh, you know, I don't think that Pat Shermer would have said this if there still was kind of any kind of doubt, little doubt that, you know, Eli will not be under center week one. And then also not just week one, but beyond where I think they're very, very happy with what they should be happy with what they have seen out of him because there has been a difference. And David, why maybe there has been a difference between the type of throws that we've seen out of Eli Manning. Now, we did say during our training camp stereotypes episode where we were talking about, was it the week before camp or was it the first week of training camp we talked about this? I think it, first week. It was the first week, so it was, God, it was that was last week. It felt like a, three weeks ago. But we had a, we had a part of a, our one of our podcasts where we talked about training camp stereotypes, and one of the stereotypes was, oh, wow, the ball, ball's got a lot of zip on it. Ball's coming out of his hand real nice, real nice for the quarterbacks. And lo and behold, that stereotype has been embraced and there have been multiple articles written on it. And there actually is, a, there may be a little merit to it. So this is, um, um, these excerpts are from the New York Post and there was an article written by Molly Walker and Steve Serby where basically um, Al Leiter, former New York Mets and New York Yankees pitcher, um, he's just conveniently neighbors with Eli Manning as one as one is, you know, they were just talking about, you know, I guess velocity and arm strength and <laughs> and uh, Al Leiter connected, uh, connected himself, uh, connected Eli with his son's trainer, his son. Um, I forget it. Jack Leiter was drafted by the New York Yankees and he's throwing 97 mile an hour, apparently, according to this New York Post article. So. This is a. Uh, I'm gonna read. I'm gonna read some excerpts about uh, Eli's arm strength and what he's done. Al Leiter is gonna say some words, and then uh, the trainer that Eli Manning worked with is also gonna say some words. So, I just gave a relative story to my career to Eli Manning and how life gets harder when you get older and your body's not the same, so on and so forth. And I was in- inquiring as to what the NFL does with respect to strength and conditioning folks that really hone in specifically on the throwing motion. To my surprise, I think all teams don't do much of it. There's a couple of gurus out there, but nobody specifically to train the thrower. And then Owlider continues. If I was the owner of an NFL team, I would go find the best throwing strength conditioning guru guy that knows every aspect of the throwing motion biomechanically, and I'd pay him just to work out my quarterback. Period. That's it, Leiter said. All right, so this is the, the trainer that Eli Manning had been working with. 
The biggest thing with him was he had great flexibility and mobility. His throwing mechanics were on par, and there were no issues whatsoever. From my assessment, he just needed to get stronger and build rotator cuff strength, stability, and strength, and improve rotational power. So we did a ton of medicine ball throws and things like that. The biggest thing that he had never really done before was was applying a progressive throwing program. So basically, they focused on Eli Manning's explosiveness and heavy medicine ball throws. David, I geek out over this stuff because especially with baseball and especially where baseball is one of the most analytically driven and analytic, you know, moving towards analytics. I mean, they're, they're already there. They're not moving towards it. They are there. And I think the NFL is starting to move towards it. And you, and I've always talked about forward thinking organizations. I will say people will disagree with me, but Eli Manning's arm strength is not the same. It's not. Now, you see the flashes of good moments like you saw that Indianapolis Colts game where he hit Sterling Shepard in stride and it was a really good throw. You saw the moments where you saw Odell Beckham Jr. in the Carolina game. That was a really good deep throw down the field. But for the majority of his deep throws, their velocity is not the same. And it just the ball just dies once it gets to a certain point. Anyway, I, I geek out over this stuff. The fact that he's working with this type of person and they are breaking down why his arm strength isn't the same or just basically looking at what he hasn't done his entire career. Fantastic. I love it. I think you make a really good point. You said baseball is already there. They're already at that deeper analytical biomechanical analysis. um, As Leiter said, they're there, you know, they've, they've arrived at that. And and I think football, you, you you touched on they're getting there, but I think they're really they're only getting there in terms of schematics. They're only getting there in terms of how to beat your opponent, not how you can um, maximize an individual player's potential. So I think this is really, at least what I've heard, this is relatively ahead of its time. Um. Just really taking a look at what is this guy struggling with? Why might he be struggling with it? What can we do to improve this one specific aspect of his game? And I really liked what the trainer said about there really were no issues. Athletically, there's no issues. It's just a, it's a simple matter of getting stronger and basically be allowing your arm to just do more continuous action. And I think that's very ahead of its time in the way that then then they then said, okay, we're not just going to go lift weights. There's specific exercises. There's specific programs that we can do to elevate this one specific part of your game. You combine that with what you're already doing and you're going to be in great shape. So I think that it's, it, it's a really, really cool analysis. And I hope it's not just a flash in the pan. And it's not just this cool training camp story. And we actually see it come to fruition uh, when the season starts, and and so far, based on what we've seen in camp, like you you mentioned a couple of a couple episodes ago, maybe our last episode, that Eli Manning's not only hitting receivers; he's overthrowing receivers, not by a ton. You know, he's accurate still, but the ball's getting on guys, and that's a really really good sign for this team. If that's if that, if that translates into football games, that's a great sign for this team. So I just I found that very interesting that the fact that the the post wrote an article about it NJ NJ.com had an article on it and I'm sure many different media outlets they got a hold of this story and I think they did a really good job with uh with writing some of these stories but particularly I really like the post piece so 
I hope I've said it over and over again. I hope Eli Manning proves me wrong. I hope he proves me wrong because if he proves me wrong, then that means the Giants are going out there this year and we're winning football games. So we'll prob- we'll see how he does. I said this on Twitter. I don't evaluate preseason for starters. I, I just don't. I don't evaluate preseason for starters. So I'm of the belief that even if Eli Manning doesn't complete a single pass during preseason games and preseason action, he's going to play week one. So, but during training camp, the production's been there. The performance has been there. And I take much more seriously in terms of my evaluation of players. I take, you know, practice how you play. I take the practices very seriously, more than I think some people do. Any other thoughts on this story before we get into some of our wrapping up pieces? No, I think we're good to move on. Okay. Good. Um, oh, Ryan Conley. Thought this was interesting. There's a few different spins that you can take this. Ryan Conley gets first team reps last week, David. Now, this is the day after we released our Alec Ogletree episode is when this came out. So we did our previewing the Giants Alec Ogletree episode. And one of the things that I said at the end of the episode is watch out and see Alec Ogletree may get his snap count a little bit less this year. He may get some snaps taken away from him this year because he has very, very glaring weaknesses. He does a lot of things good, which we've outlined, but we also identified that in two very huge areas where a middle linebacker needs to be pretty solid in missed tackles and coverage, he is very weak. He is very piss poor in those areas, to be frank. So I said, maybe his snap count's going to take a hit this year. Lo and behold, the next day, Ryan Conley gets first team snaps. Alec Ogletree, is on, not, Alec Ogletree is not on the field. Now you could take this in multiple ways. Ryan Conley, they just want to get him some time with the first team and see what he can do. Or it's more of a reflection on Alec Ogletree. I, I want to be right. And I just want to, you know, <laughs> so know that my perspective is I just want to be correct. But I think it's more realistic just to think that they want to get Conley out there to see what he can do. David, what do you think? Um, I think we should start coming up with a word to describe off seasons. And the word of this off season is versatility. This to me is nothing more than the Giants coaching staff clearly showing anybody who will listen and anybody who will watch. This team is going to have a lot of moving parts with a lot of different people. The only way to get a guy like Ryan Conley to be a factor in your defense, which I believe they drafted him to be a factor in the defense, the only way you can do that is to get him playing with the other guys he'll be playing around. It's all about mixing and matching. And if you're going to mix and match during games, you got to mix and match during practice. So I'm taking all of the, quote, first team rep discussions and all the, this guy's getting reps with this team. I don't think there is a team. I don't really think they're viewing this defense as having the first team, the second team, the third team. A depth chart-wise, there is. But especially for the front seven, it's going to be a mixture of a lot of different guys doing different things, playing different roles. I guess I would even I would even include the secondary in that. So uh, the, the first team rep thing for the defense, I really think is overblown. That's not to say that Conley getting reps with those guys isn't important that's to say i think it's gonna it's a lot of different people doing different things great great we're gonna move on to a social media question so from trevor wheatley he was wondering about the quarterbacks uh do you think jones is gonna go the first half and then kyle luletta and tanny the second half 
Um, how do you think this is going to be broken up? I'm Dave? thinking it's going to be Eli first two drives, whether that's four minutes, eight minutes, 15 minutes, first two drives. Jones will come in after Eli and go until about the middle of the third quarter, maybe go two drives into the third quarter. And then I think after that, it's going to be mop-up work between uh, Loletta and Tanny. So I think that last quarter and a half to quarter will be split between the two of them. I think I think Jones will get the far majority of snaps, and I think Loletta and Tanny will, will split the remainder. This is something I wanted to get to last week. Loletta is so bad. He's very bad. I had the I had the privilege of um the the we, the the game that he got in uh, last season against the Redskins in Washington. I had the pleasure of being there. Me and a buddy drove down and went to the game, and I was I was excited. I couldn't wait to see him. To, to when they, when I saw him going under under center, I was so excited, and he was just 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 pitiful. Yeah, just a bad showing, a yeah. bad quarterback. So I. I I honestly don't even I mean I guess because you don't need to you don't need to cut anybody right now. Like they don't, you know, I I don't I don't know when the first roster cuts are, but I would I would bet a a non-important body part that Kyle Luletta will be cut. What body part? A a non-important uh, is a pinky toe important? I, maybe for balance? No, I'll, I'll probably bet, not. Probably not. I'll bet my I'll bet my left pinky toe. No. My right pinky toe, because my left pinky toe is is my landing foot for bowling. So my right you pinky need full toe, balance for that. Yeah, you do need full balance for that. But I'll balance. I'll bet my right pinky toe that Kyle Luletta is a part of the first roster cuts of training camp. Yeah, I I don't see them carrying more than three quarterbacks any past that. And I think it will be. I think it'll be Loletta's turn on the chopping block. Um, I hope. I hope they don't because I hope it gives somebody else more time to prove why they should or shouldn't be on the team. Because absolutely. he is piss poor. I hope they don't just keep him around just to keep him around because he was a, a you know, what was he a fourth round pick last year? You know. Uh, yeah. So yeah. Let's just let's just move on. So, David, uh, that's that's it. That's it. That's okay. all I got. That's a short one. Um, it's a pretty short one, but you know, not a lot has been happening. But you want to know what compared to week one, where we we had we had to do a little bit of talking off the ledge. This has been a very good week. You you were in full fledged. Um, you know, we need we need a savior. Panic mode. Oh, last week no. You I was, were. I was, fr- I was. You were. No, last week I was. I was frustrated last week. I was not panicking. I was very frustrated. Justin, with how I, I, I think I think you don't realize sometimes how your frustration airs on the uh, side of panic. Much in line with your last name. That was a good. One. Thank you. That was a good one. That, that thank you. That's a that's a good way to end it. So, st- this is this is how we're gonna end it. We're gonna end it just like I started it with not being totally sure with what's coming next. Keep an eye out for uh, uh, pregame shows. Keep an eye out for Periscope streams. Keep an eye out for. All these things, me going to training camp, David and Justin going to Giants games. Keep an eye out for previewing the Giants episodes because we will be bringing you content every single day in multiple forms. Uh, uh, Go Giants, uh, go Yankees, uh, go Giants, go Giants, go Giants, beat the Jets, uh, win football games, don't get hurt, keep on bleeding blue, and David. The next time you guys hear us for a full episode, not including the, the previewing the Giants, watch those, they're really good. 
the next time you hear us for a full episode, we will have an actual game to talk about. So everybody, stay beautiful.